Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard here, fear of flying coach. And today's guest is Aaron Ramot, who's an experimental test pilot, which I've never met before. So I'm really keen to hear your story. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you yeah so tell us tell us all about it what do you do why doesn't it scare the life out of you right now i don't do anything i'm retired oh I'm okay 76 year old years old yeah. i was born in uh, 46 1946 two years before uh, my country was born ever since i was able to hold a fork and knife i wanted to be a pilot mm. So I grew up and uh, I had some problems with the physical exams, trying to enlist into flight training school in the, of the Israeli Air Force. Yes, I was I was unable to uh, to get into the school for a while. I made some uh, tricks and then I I'm I'm uh, six foot five tall, which was a limitation for me to to ah, see. be a pilot, mm. small cockpits and stuff. Mm. Uh, but then uh, I was able to measure myself correctly. <laughs> so I was <laughs> I enlisted and I became a fighter pilot in sixty the end of sixty seven. They think that you're six foot two. Did you go in and sort of yeah. squash, squash yeah. down? Did you maximum six foot two? Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I was able to uh, be a, a fighter pilot for uh, almost 20 years. Mm. At the same time, when when I had uh, enough experience and I enjoyed what I I enjoyed what I do all the time, mm. but was, when I was experienced enough to to find a very uh, deep interest in in the mechanism, in the physics, and the entire uh, world of uh, Flying, right? I w- I wanted to become a test pilot because this really was my interest. So, also a few troubles, but then I I went to a flight training school for test pilots in the American U.S. Navy mm. in Patuxent River, Maryland, and uh, I joined the, the test forces or test center, Israeli Air Force. Flight Test Center uh, in uh, 1979. And ever since, I continued to be uh, a fighter pilot with the Air Force in several uh, wars that I experienced. Uh, mm. But I've, I've made my professional life in flying uh, while test flying until uh, 2000. Okay. Then I joined. Then I joined. I I quit this uh, job of uh, test flying. Became a pilot for El Al Airlines until I retired. And now I ride my bicycle, testing my bicycle every day. That's probably and more dangerous. No, I doubt it. So sometimes it does. Yes. Sometimes it does. So I don't know what to start yeah. with because you've there's a lot of really interesting things there. So the fact you've you've been in the Israeli Air Force, mm-hmm. you've then moved into becoming a test pilot, which sounds terrifying. It's the same. I was still a test pilot for the Israeli Air Force. 
Mm. So so I commanded I eventually before I retired from the Israeli Air Force, I commanded the flight test center of the Israeli Air Force. And then I joined the industry, the Israel aircraft industries. Right. Then as a civilian. Mm. That's really interesting. So tell tell us about the the test pilot stuff. What, what what exactly do you do? I mean, how much do you test these aircraft and how much at risk are you when you do that? That's a big question. A test pilot is actually the end, the end unit of our the end unit of building an airplane from scratch. Mm. You begin at the uh, scratch board and you and you go out and cut the metals and uh, install the systems. And eventually, the test pilot job is to uh, integrate all these systems into a flying object. It is very important in uh, fighter airplanes. Yes. Which uh, their uh, flight envelope is very, very demanding in yes. terms of speeds and uh, maneuvering stuff. But it's also very important, very useful <laughs> for uh, airlines and passengers' airplanes. Different disciplines but uh, the same, principally, it's the same uh, job. The, part of the, the test pilot needs to uh, take off and yeah. integrate all the systems into one operating safe system. I also, um, it is very common in the, in, in the Air Force that you already, you know, the Israeli Air Force, for instance, gets its uh, airplane aircraft from different countries. Mm. And then we install systems into these aircraft, our system, our yes. weapons and stuff. So we need to, to integrate those systems to the airplanes. The, the airplanes, the aircraft never uh, saw the system uh, before, never uh, carried, for instance, uh, smart bombs or uh, sophisticated uh, avionics and uh, mm. uh, interesting navigation pods and uh, the test pilot said to uh, to find out first of all if the the system is flight worthy if it can fly it doesn't disturb another aircraft system and then that it its operation is uh, safe to operate and that it function and that, uh, that uh, it is doing its job navigation pod mm. you need to see the, the, the terrain, you need to, to avoid the obstacles and stuff. This is a very uh, common in the combat airplanes. Business. Yes. When uh, you when you fly test business jet or a, or a big passenger airplane, the main issue is the airplane does not need very wide uh, maneuvering envelope. No. It rather rather it needs to be to make sure that it is safe to fly. Yes. And that all the systems operate and there is a, a redundancy in the in the systems of the aircraft. And this is tested. How do we test redundancy? We just fail one system and see that everything is working fine. And then we fail the other system and we see we want to make sure that we can land the aircraft. So, so you just so, many, so just to put that's a really important point. So when you're testing these aircraft, 
Yeah. You're literally deliberately doing <laughs> what we all worry about, stopping yeah. everything working to see if it still works. In, in the world of, uh, of business flying and uh, passenger airplanes, I know, like you, uh, one of your uh, jobs is to, to extinguish the fear of flying. Yes. That's what we do in, uh, in, here in Israel alone. We, we need to make sure that passengers are safe. Yes. In that, in that uh, manner, we make uh, sure that the airplanes, the system, and uh, everything is really redundant. So, for instance, we, there is uh, the uh, FAA and other uh, authorities in different mm. countries. Mm. They have demands for us to make sure that the airplane, if one engine fails, Still, the airplane is fully operating, operable. Yes. And uh, I I was once involved in a test of an aircraft. And we have to prove that the failure is still does not affect uh, the safety of the airplane. So it's very common that uh, we take off with an engine failed during the takeoff. We need to make sure that uh, we um, that we are able to take off as advertised by the mm. manufacturer. We need to make sure that the instrument landing system, which is very, very, uh, needs very accurate approach yes. profile, yes. is uh, never fails. Mm. I mean, never. Statistically, never fails. We need to make sure that, for instance, we test it during 20 consecutive uh, approaches, and it, it should be within, you know, a feet or two from uh, from the approach profile. If it does not, in even up, you know, you made nineteen approaches, nice, and uh, one is failed. Everything is failed from the beginning. Statistics. Wow! So let's just let's just pause on yeah. that. That's a fantastic point. So you yeah. do nineteen accurate landings yeah. or approaches. Yeah, and then on the twentieth. If it's not within your what you can deem to be, we don't win the, the window. Of, uh, yeah, we have to go again and replan uh, the the system. That's very I reassuring. To, <laughs> I was involved once in uh, for for the uh, uh, business jet uh, that we built in uh, in the Israel aircraft industry. Mm. It's now called uh, uh, Gulfstream Twenty Two Hundred. I think it, yeah. we called it Galaxy. Anyway, we uh, we had to prove that after landing with maximum landing weight that is very heavy, and we after this landing we need to uh, break at the shortest uh, breaking distance, and after that we had to evacuate the passengers. We simulate evacuation of the passengers. Yeah. yeah, and then due to the big heat of the brakes. The tires got fire, and uh, we stood out there looking at the fire coming <laughs> up and uh, extinguished by no no means of fire extinguishing. We need to make sure we 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 proved that uh, even if we do this very very extreme kind of maneuver of landing in maximum maximum landing weight and maximum braking at that time, and fire comes up. No damage to uh, to the aircraft systems except for the tires. That's brilliant. So this is true for the uh, 
this is the corner of of business jet and uh, passengers airplane where in the uh, combat combat jets it's a whole different uh, story we need to prove and make sure that the airplane also well first of all the airplane is the airplane is uh, performing its job with the pilot minimum effort is required and also we need to make sure that uh, with failures of the system and uh, maneuver maneuvering that uh, goes beyond the flight envelope there is a possibility of the pilot to get back to this uh, to inside the flight envelope for instance uh, we tested the our, an aircraft that we built in Israel the fear a fighter airplane we tested in spin spin is a, is a maneuver that you don't want to go into it but you need to be able to come out of it once yeah, you yeah. entered you made an error and and came into it so we we spun the the fear several times one it is a, it is a test pilot a test uh, airplane Aaron, so, do you enjoy yeah. doing this because this sounds like this sounds like crazy it's stuff. a roller coaster it's a roller coaster <laughs> uh, I enjoyed my job very much I was very much involved in going into deep into technique of flight of the testing the technique of what what to expect while test flying and uh, how to be able to save myself if things went wrong too wrong to the point that uh, the aircraft uh, is not doing what is expected for instance this uh, spin testing we had a special parachute to be able to save the airplane if the spin does not uh, recover if the, pilot, if the aircraft does not recover by the means of uh, normal controls that we we provide the airplane with the, for the pilot so the the routine was we entered the spin and then after three or, th- or four spins for uh, rolling <laughs> roller coaster we uh, implied the controls to recover usually it did recover after another two or three ra- uh, rolls of spin at, at enough in a uh, safe enough attitude the procedure was it, if does if it does not recover at 20,000 feet we shoot the parachute to recover and then we go and see what to do after we land so one of the spins I, I did several spins it it came out it recovered very nicely one of them with a certain configuration the aircraft did not recover and did not recover and did not recover and I had my finger already on the on the button to release the the safe safety shoot and only then the airplane last minute did recover so first the aircraft was enough good enough to recover itself yes and uh, second I was about to uh, <laughs> execute recovery non-normal recovery procedure are you like because this to me like sounds I mean for some people that's probably fun but that that sounds terrifying you must be you must be very confident with <laughs> the aircraft that you can do all these maneuvers and fail things uh, I am confident in understanding what to expect sometimes the unexpected comes 
comes on, and that's what, what I, I'm there for. I mean, I was in before I became a, or in order to be a test pilot, I uh, I experienced uh, or I I had more than five thousand flight hours in the fighter airplane. That's and, a lot. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Because fighter airplanes fly short uh, missions. Mm, and, exactly. Yeah. And uh, then I also added some, uh, another uh, 5,000 before I was, uh, uh, oh, 5,000 flight hours in uh, cargo airplanes, passengers airplanes. So I was very much, uh, I felt very comfortable while airborne. I was experienced enough to expect every every phenomena that I yes. could expect. Still, I had some other phenomena that I didn't expect. But I was, I was sometimes I was afraid. I mean, I was yeah, I was afraid, but I was afraid from the unknown yes. uh, that, that can come on me. So, but, is this in the military but, jets where this happened? But what I was about to say that I was afraid sometimes even more during the wars I, I participated in. Yes. Uh, and I had some very interesting uh, missions, not not as a test pilot, but as a fighter pilot mm. during the wars. I was afraid. This is normal. And uh, I was able to to, op uh, to operate and to function while being afraid. This is, yeah. I learned this also as a part of later becoming a test pilot. I mean, even if you're afraid, you still have to function. And, mm. uh, and count on your skills. Mm. And most of all, before you go flight testing, you learn very much, uh, very deeply, the system, the uh, the physics of the the system. Or even if it's a you know like hydraulic system, you test the hydraulic system, you know it by you know the pipes and the and the uh, pumps. And it is true also for a complete system as a of an airplane that you know what ev what every screw is meant for, every button, and you understand the physics of flying. You understand aerodynamics. Yes. And uh, I mean, understand deep into it, and you understand what to expect when. Mm. And uh, that's what make you makes you uh, better or not better. Well, I mean, so you doing that makes yeah. it safer because you've gone out and tested things that other pilots won't need to do. Yeah. Hopefully. You 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 push the airplane into corners that the pilots are not expected to do. And uh, and you push the airplane, you go into outside the flight envelope, you exceed the speeds. This is as a test. You exceed the speeds. You exceed the you exceed the altitude, and then you you create the the flat envelope for the normal regular pilots. For instance, I was able I was once required to take off with the kefir at maximum takeoff at a, a, a different uh, elevation of the airfield, and uh, the airplane was. Was loaded with bombs and uh, and fuel tanks and stuff. Was very very heavy, and I took off, and uh, it was a very very low terrain avoidance while taking off. 
And it made me, as a pilot, decide that this weight is not not uh, within the limits of a normal pilot. So we had to make a half to uh, reload the airplane with a one uh, one or a half a ton less for uh, for it to be uh, among the regular operate operable. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there's only so much you can do. With computers and simulations, essentially, it does boil down to somebody, some crazy person like you, <laughs> thank you, to go and try these things out, doesn't it? To go and push yeah, the no. aircraft to well beyond what it'll ever need to do. The point is that, you know, today, the computers and the wind tunnels and stuff can almost prove everything the airplanes should do. Just computing and uh, calculating and uh, showing the, the effects in a wind tunnel. Still, no wind tunnel and no computer was airborne yet. You need to be airborne and, and be able to test them, test the systems while flying, actually, with all the bumps and the weather criteria and weather phenomena. Mm. Everything is being tested only in the air, not in wind tunnel. Yeah, I was going to ask you actually about, you know, <clears> perhaps <throat> testing some of the business passenger jets or whatever in weather systems, what sort of things you've had to fly into? Weather is a is a big issue, Basically, mainly for uh, passenger airplanes and the business jets because they are operated in, in very, very demanding weather, for instance, high uh, snow or big clouds, like storms and stuff. And they need to be able to avoid them. And once they get, they did not, or they were not able to avoid, they need to be able to carry on yes. and, uh, and stay. For instance, we have a phenomenon that's called icing. Icing is that is the... Um, the ice that covers the wing and changes its uh, uh, aerodynamic uh, capability. And also it is heavy. So uh, it, it, it creates uh, higher loads on the wing and the aircraft. On, on the aircraft. So we need to, 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 and also snow and ice can penetrate into the engine. The engine is sucking air with or without snow, with or without ice, with rain, it needs to be able to operate. So we test the engine while flying into very high snowing conditions. You're crazy. We are. So we we do it with the uh, with the engine, uh, one engine of the airplane. We have two engines in this airplane, and uh, we had the uh, again the Galaxy, and. Uh, it's a small galaxy, not a big one. Mm. So we had one engine very installed very, very heavily against snow conditions, snow and ice condition. And we took the other engine while flying into snow and ice conditions, let it accumulate its uh, snow on the inlet, on the, in the engine itself. And then we had to operate the anti-icing system. Same to see that the airplane, that the engine is still operable. Same is true for uh, icing on the wing. 
rain can be ice to the point that uh, you know it doubles the, the weight of yes. the airplane. So we need to be able to avoid this icing. Uh, so we fly into icing condition. We see that the wing is being iced, and then we uh, turn off, turn on the uh, switch to to de-ice the wing. Uh, this is weather. Other weather phenomena like rain and uh, wet runway. We need to be able to show that the airplane is is landable on wet runway without skidding off it. Man, you so just. I, my massive respect to you. So you're doing all the things that pilots don't need to do, basically, so you can prove that how safe it we, is. All we do is prove that what we plan for the airplane to do, it, it, it is doing it. Mm. And when we prove it, we prove it a little bit beyond what is expected. Yes. And then we, we, uh, we say this is the limit of the airplane. If the run is that, is that wet, you don't land. Or, for instance, a wind effect. Wind affects the airplane very much, especially on landing and takeoff. Yes. And uh, you're, you're talking you about have, cross, cross you wind. Crosswind. Yeah. You have a crosswind 90 degrees to the runway, and this is the only runway that you have. You need to be able to control the airplane and not drift aside yes. due to the wind. And we test the airplane in a very high crosswind. And then we say the limit crosswind is 40 knots, 30 knots, or 50 knots, depending on the aircraft. Yeah. Light aircraft like, uh, you know, Cessnas and stuff, they are limited to uh, 15 knots yes. of, of crosswind. Mm. But the big airplanes, the Jumbo and the 777, they are limited to almost 45 degrees, 45 knots of uh, yeah. crosswind. This is very... And it is all tested. The flight conditions of uh, of a 90 degrees crosswind is tested you, you don't want to to be in the cockpit of this airplane that uh, no i don't tested. no you don't <laughs> i'm glad you were there anyway so see there's people like you doing this testing the aircraft setting the limits and making sure i mean this is massively reassuring for people so what other scary things do you do then? Because this, I think for people who listen to this who are nervous flyers, it's nice for them to think about all the other things that could go wrong and that some some poor sod like you has been testing it. <laughs> if you're interested in scaring, yes, there is. I was, uh, it's not testing flying, uh, test flying. I was flying a hang glider, which is a hang ah, glider. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the most, how shall I say, Thrilling flight I had in my life was during the flight test training yeah. in the United States. Some of the training was uh, glider training. It, glider is a, is a flight aircraft, a flying aircraft with no engine. So it glides all the time. What it needs for, uh, for uh, going up is to soar on thermals, like the birds do when they migrate. So and it is thermal is a, is a warm air that that climbs up inside whatever air there is. So I had a flight in, a, in an area at the Tucson River in Maryland that the the briefing of the flight was 
you are being towed with a bladder to 3,000 feet, and you are released, and then you have some maneuvers to do, like uh, stalling and spinning and stuff at uh, 1,000 feet, AGL, above ground level, you need to concentrate in landing at the airfield. So you have about uh, half an hour of flight on the glider, and uh, that's what is expected of you. So now I'm flying, I'm doing my uh, my testing, my, my maneuvers, me and the uh, and guy from the Marine Corps, and at about uh, 1,100 elevation, I see a bird. Bird is standing in, for me, it is, you know, standing in the sky, not flat, not flapping, you know, nothing, just wings uh, spread. And I feel, and I see also on the instruments, that there's a, a, a small bump in the air. So I told my uh, my guy in the backseat, if the bird can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I had no no idea of how to uh, sen uh, center a thermal, we call it. That you you catch the thermal and, and climb mm. soar with this. So I look I turned I, I turned into the bird. Again, when I passed near the bird, I had this bump, and the bird moved side moved aside. Once again, I turned and, uh, and uh, aimed at the bird. The bird just got rid of me. It uh, folded its wing and went off. But I felt this uh, bump. And remember, no no indication where it is except for my instruments and the bump mm. that I feel. And after two and a half hours, I was I was at five thousand five hundred feet. Oh wow! And that's why they call me the crazy Israeli pilot <laughs> in the school. <laughs> <laughs> flight trainings, cool. So you, I assume so you did, I, you, so you did I, land at some point, then I guess. They shot eventually. They, they, shot, they shot said, "What down. are you doing? You are expected to land after thirty minutes, and yet you are two and a half hours. Uh, where are you?" I said, "Look up, and you see me on the radio." <laughs> and they, uh, I, I went back for the landing, no problem. But that's why I said. I went into uh, hang gliding because, again, it's a mm. hang glider. There is no engine. You glide, and if there are thermals, you soar with the birds. It's a fantastic way of flying. Very, very quiet, very slow, mm. not uh, too Mach jet, <laughs> and uh, very thrilling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite a good link, actually, because one of the things that our pilots talk about is the fact that how often commercial aircraft are almost like gliders certainly when you're coming into land and you're say 80 miles away from the, you, you know you're pretty much gliding so i guess yeah. you must have to test that as well turn all the engines to idle or off and see and glide for a while is that part of the training when we say gliding uh, on on commercial aircraft it's not like the glider that uh, mm. glides Totally different because the rate of descent is a better. Glide for the commercial aircraft is part of the procedure that was developed by test pilots and uh, and computers and then test pilots yeah. to uh, to indicate and the computer in the, the the avionics of the aircraft and the entire uh, computing system indicates where to start this glide in uh, in order to be able at zero zero uh, altitude 
at the uh, destination airfield. So it is gliding, <clears throat> yet it has its engine. Engine provide very poor, very little uh, thrust while gliding, but the aircraft can can glide, really glide, with the engines in operation. We have, we are, uh, we are trained to glide with no engines in the airplane. It is very, very, very. Actually, there is one, only one, and one aircraft that I know, maybe two that, that uh, operated while gliding after it ran out of fuel. Engines, uh, jet yeah. engines with no fuel, don't operate. Hmm. So, uh, but the, the airplane was able to, to glide into the airfield in the Canary Island. And you test all that? Uh, it is being tested, yes. So how far would you say you would expect a commercial aircraft to be able to glide if it had no power coming from the engines? What would you say was... Uh, we have typical? numbers. The numbers uh, say that the airplane will, uh, will lose about three miles for each mile of altitude. One to three or something like that. Mm. Uh, but it is it is a number never proven except for a test flight, not not to the not to the bitter end, but at least with no engines to be able to to see how how gliding is performed in the commercial aircraft. But I don't see why it is. I see why it is needed to be proven. But the aircraft, the commercial aircraft, are so safe. And, uh, so redundant. Yes. That, uh, once we had the most aircrafts were four engine uh, aircraft. Mm. Now most of the uh, aircraft, the commercial aircraft, are uh, two engine. Enough. Yeah. Which means back to the testing issue. Which means that if you lose an engine for during takeoff, for instance, it can happen. We had this uh, guy Soli who landed in the in the Hudson because he lost both engines. Yeah. With birds. It's very rare, but so and he glided into the Hudson. Mm. So if you lose an engine with a with a four engine aircraft, you lose one quarter of the of the power, takeoff power. If you lose one engine in a seven 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 or uh, the Airbus three fifty with two engines, if you lose one engine, can happen. You are losing fifty percent of your uh, mm. thrust. Yet you can take off. That when you lose an engine at a certain speed, that mm. you don't have enough runway to to uh, stop the engine, the yes. the takeoff roll. You have enough power, enough thrust to uh, lift off and avoid any uh, obstacle after runway behind the runway. I think some of the things you've said will be really, really helpful for people who are nervous. So as a kind of a, a there's probably loads of questions I should be asking, but I'm trying to put my nervous flyer head on <laughs> and think about it. But the main message I'm getting is about how much extra safety and redundancy there is because of people like you testing the aircraft, pushing them beyond what we'd expect them to do normally. And that's very reassuring for people. Uh, yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask you then, if you were talking to a nervous flyer now and you could say, 
why they shouldn't be scared of flying. What would you say, based on your many years of experience as being a test pilot and, and a commercial pilot and also a fighter pilot? The issue is really narrowed to the uh, commercial aircraft world. These aircraft are being uh, manufactured in, in big numbers. And also, uh, we, several things were developed. First of all, systems are very, very trustworthy. You, you know, even the cars, I, I remember <laughs> in early days, while, while traveling from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, every one or two miles, one or two kilometers, there was a car standing on the <laughs> side road yes. uh, with the smoke or the... These things don't happen anymore. Mm. Everything is very, very... Engineered? Is that the word you Engineered want? Engineered to the point that they don't break. They yeah. don't fail. Mm. This is one thing. Mm. Other thing is that we have, like I mentioned in the previous, I mentioned redundancy. We have uh, several systems in the aircraft, and for instance, hydraulic system. We had four of these systems. If one fails, you don't even feel it. Airplane, airplane are built in the philosophy of fail, operate, fail, safe, and uh, fail, operate, fail, operate, and then fail, safe. In 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 a matter of uh, systems failure. So there is a big redundancy. Main issue of building airplanes is redundancy and uh, uh, extra systems. Mm. Airplane can operate on one system, but we have four. Yeah. Uh, hydraulic system, electronic electrical system, uh, pressurization system. Two engines is also uh, one of the, uh, like I mentioned, redundancy. And then after all this, we developed a procedure that needs that covers every every supposed failure, and every supposed activation of failures of, of the system of the airplane. So, we, as a crew, crew of two, in fact, aircraft, aircraft there's mostly in all, most places one pilot. In commercial aircraft, you have two. And we are checking each other all the time while yes. while flying, and the procedures, the SOP, the uh, standard operation procedures, standard. Mm -hmm. We are very much into standardization of uh, procedures, and we uh, we call the the check and we check it with the other pilot. So, airplanes, commercial airplanes are operated by very very trustworthy systems and very, very experienced procedures based on experience. And uh, this really covers, and they don't, aircraft, the, the aircraft really flies mainly all time, all the time in the center of the envelope. We don't go to slow, very slow speed, very demanding maneuvers. We don't do it. We fly in the center of the envelope most of the time. And we ever, whenever we uh, we go out of this uh, center, we go back into the center to uh, make sure that everything is calm and uh, you know standard. And that's what I would uh, tell. Uh, also, you know, with while flying, 
those machines. There are noises and bumps and uh, it's like flying, like driving a car. The car with the bumpy road is uh, is jumping all the time. That's all. The airplane, the aircraft itself is built to not even uh, you know consider it as a, as a problem. Amazing. Thank you very much, Aaron. That's amazing. And well, I, say, I, I feel like I thought like I want to say thank you for your service because it's people like you that are keeping it safe for the rest of us and allowing pilots to understand what the envelope is because you've gone outside of it to test these damn things. So that's yeah. just remarkable. <laughs> I can I can say that it is very interesting. Yeah, and uh, you know that the people that will implement all the procedures that you develop and all the flight characteristics and flight maneuvers that you told them you, you, uh, you are responsible of developing research and develop. R&D mm. is, uh, is my job. Mm. Well, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> you probably helped a lot of people that, that those little bits of wisdom there. And uh, Come fly with me. Yeah, and well, just take it easy on that. Not bicycle. testing, not testing. No testing. No, I don't fancy that. Thanks very much. But uh, yeah, just be careful on that bicycle because that sounds like you're in real danger compared to the stuff. I just, I'm we just blown away. We didn't go there. into this. Iran, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Excellent. Very good. Very, very helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Love Fly podcast. And if you want to find out about more that we do, please go to our website, lovefly.co.uk, and you'll see a list of other options available to you should you need them. Thanks for listening.